Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Malcolm White. I'm your host today on this Sunday afternoon. Thank you for tuning in and listening to a show all about arts and culture and the great Mississippi story. I'm here with Kevin Farrell, our producer, and my guest today is my good buddy, Mr. Wyatt Waters. Hello, hello. Good to Welcome see you, back. Malcolm. Welcome back to the Arts Hour. It's good to be here. It's, it's been good. a while. I know, but it's, it's always good to see you. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming in and, and bringing your... Uh, your guitars. You know, I'm just such a such an easy shot for bringing music. If you ask me to bring music, I will show up. So I said, "Why? You brought two guitars?" And he said, "Well, of course, I have two hands." <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna play one. You'll play one number with one song, just, and and the the other number with the other song. Be glad I didn't bring my trumpet. Oh boy, if you'd brought the trumpet, we'd have had trouble. Oh, yeah, we did. So where did you grow up, Wyatt? Where, I grew where, up. Where, from whence did you come, sir? Uh, my roots are just south of Jackson, down Highway 49, at Florence, Mississippi. I grew up in Florence, and my father was a coach, like your father was a coach. That's right. And uh, he was coaching there, and um, and really, I began my painting because of that. Because Dad moved us from uh, Amory to Florence without the benefit of telling my mother, I'm sure, because they threw a house in on the deal. Oh, okay. And I got to paint the floor as a two-and-a-half-year-old, and I got into painting. That's how, that was really, I mean, I spatter painted, and I just thought that was great. So I continued to spatter. Were you born in Amory? I was born in Brookhaven. Okay. Born in Brookhaven because my dad was coaching at Wesson. It's all about coaching, you know. Right, and my dad was coaching at Perkinston, yes. same time. You move a lot. You move, well, we didn't. It's, we didn't It's either. strange. We, we lived in Perkinston. And he moved up from the Ag High School to the community college. And then when he became president at Northeast, we moved that one time in, in the summer of 65. But otherwise, we were in Perkinston and then Boonville. That's unusual for a coach. You know, that really is. It really is. It really is. I but, hear that it's like in, it's like preaching. The Lord calls you when you're preaching, but you have a bad season when you're uh, coaching. Right. This effect is the same. Same call. <laughs> Uh, so uh, from there, you um, you had an interest in, in art and music as a child? Oh, yeah, yeah, always. We'd listen to the radio. Uh, we played the radio. I didn't right. play the guitar at that time. Mm-hmm. We used to put our hands on the back of the radio where the antenna was. Right. Listen to K-A-A-Y and uh, W-L-S, all the hits before they came to Jackson with W-R-B-C and W-U-N. Uh-huh. Back in those days. Get them on the radio. Mm-hmm. When did you get your first musical instrument? Was it the piano or was it a guitar? The first musical instrument I got, I was probably in the fourth grade, and I left it outside in the rain. Mm. And it, it fell apart, and it was yeah. a bad thing. It was really tough to get that second guitar. Because you your dad said, son, I got you a guitar, and you left it out in the rain. Yes, and he, he really – and they withheld it from me for a while, hmm. getting me one. But finally, when I was uh, turned 12, I was already playing somebody else's guitar at 11. But when I turned 12, they got me a, a, a – okay, when they turned – when I turned 12, my dad talked to the band director who was Ernie Workman. Now, Ernie Workman's wife worked at Warlines, B.B. Workman. Yeah. And Nanette Workman was their daughter. Right. And, um, and he asked 
them to find me a guitar, and I got a, one of those five dollar uh, Regal guitars that was used for lessons and was being sold for being beat up. And I got a that's how I got a guitar. Well, my first guitar, my grandfather helped me buy. I worked all summer. You and I both cut grass uh, as kids. We have three or four things in common. One is our fathers were coaches. Two, yeah. we're in the arts business now. Three, our first job was cutting grass. And then fourth, yeah. we both just recently got remarried. I know. We're so I'm happy for so, <laughs> so happy for both of us. We can, yeah. Congratulations. I mean, it's a good thing, isn't it? <laughs> we had a great talk with her at the, uh, uh, Marcy's place the other day. Uh-huh. With Kara? Yeah. yeah. She's just well, and great. congratulations to you. Well, thank you. Um, but my first guitar, uh, my grandfather helped me put together the money. I had wow. worked for the summer, and then he took me down to Biloxi to Pass Road. And and we went in and negotiated uh, to buy this electric Alamo solid body electric guitar, red and white. Beautiful. Oh, my God. Wished I still had it. It's like a first girlfriend. You think they're so beautiful. Then you see them later and you think, what was I thinking? <laughs> but it's still, it's going to be there. It's, it imprints you. It's, it's, it, I'm not sure if that was a good guitar or not. but uh, I don't think it's considered a great uh, you know, a piece of, of craftsmanship, but uh, it worked fine for me. Uh, I was able to learn House of the Rising Sun and yes. I Want to Hold Your Hand and, mm. you know, some of those earlier tunes, uh, the three chords. I had a little band, much like you. We we played around the college campus. I didn't and, know that part. Yeah, I wasn't very good, but I played piano and I played a bit of guitar. So Well, excellent. This is We have more in common there. Even more. That's, that's yes. just... But yeah, bands are... Bands are like dating four people at once. Mm. It's hard to make them work. And you've had several bands in, in, in our adult mm-hmm. lives. I had a few in my adult lives, and uh, that's really music is an itch you have to scratch. It's like painting. It's like everything else. The arts are something. You know, one time I was asked to go. Uh, I think it was Florence. Yeah, it was Florence. That I had to go speak about the importance of the arts. And I know you could ask to do this a mm-hmm. lot. And I remember getting up there, having my speech prepared. And I just winged it like I'm <laughs> prone to do sometimes. And I said, you know, nobody would ask me to speak on the importance of football. It's just an understood thing. Hmm. You get out once a week and you try to kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but uh, but the arts are like that. It's, it's, it's an important thing, but it's hard to say why they're important. But that only makes it more important because... The best things in life, you can't really—I can't say why I love Christy. Right. If, if you could, it would kind of make it fall apart. There are aspects, but the overall this thing has to do with just the way it feels. Right. And speaking of speaking, mm-hmm. uh, you will be the keynote speaker at the Statewide Arts Conference sponsored by the Mississippi uh, Arts Commission on Thursday, October the 24th. Next Thursday, you will be speaking— to our arts conference, and and our theme this year is the arts and living well. And frankly, I know of no one who lives more well than you. I don't know if that's proper. I think English. it sounds good <laughs> or sounds well. Those two always get confused. Anyway, I'm, I'm very honored to do this. It's it's a big deal to me. I grew up in a, a situation where there was there was music. That was the art that was around in Florence. I remember Murray Kellum. Uh, long tall text, and he was from Florence, and uh, that was huh. that was a big deal. It's, uh, music, painting, uh, writing, uh, literature—it's all. If I didn't have that 
my life would not have gone well. Right. You know. <laughs> Indeed. And so the conference, uh, as I said, is next Thursday, October 24th. Um, it, it starts at 8 o'clock in the morning at your state capitol. We are actually, the artists and the arts patrons are occupying the state capitol next Thursday. So we'll be uh, convening all uh, arts organizations, uh, people who are interested in the arts, professional artists, uh, units of government that sponsor arts events, you know, little theaters, festivals, uh, all of those folks will be convening at uh, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Mississippi State Capitol. Uh, next Thursday, October 24th. And Wyatt, I believe you're going to present um, around 9 o'clock in the morning. Very excited about that. I'll have my good. two cups of coffee in me by then. Don't you worry. Excellent. <laughs> and you're going to play a little music. I'm excited about that. And you're going to paint. I love painting in front of people. I love talking about painting while I'm painting because, I mean, you know, people, most of the time they ask you why you're doing this or how you're doing this. And it's a mystery to a lot of people. Of course, there I'll be able to do it to people who already understand this. So that'll be a little bit more, right. a little bit more tense. Yeah, this is, will be singing to the choir, yes, as they say. But that's good. You know, you want to be on top of your game and they'll certainly put me there. So do you do this often, this public speaking thing? I think you do, don't you? I do it. It's really funny. I, I, I was... I did. I was really. You get into painting because you're shy, uh -huh. and I did that because I could do it by myself. And and then you work on location like I work, and you're thrust into this world. Uh, I remember I, I couldn't get in a gallery when I first started painting in Jackson. They said, "Well, nobody knows you," so I started painting. I started painting at the corner of Lamar and Capitol, with the uh, Deposit Guarantee Plaza there, and I was in the center of. The middle of Mississippi, just I thought, right, and I just could not bear to talk to people, and um, anyway, people would stop and they thought you were homeless. But anyway, the more <laughs> the more I did that, painting got me out of my shell, right. And uh, I think it's I think it does help you live well. I think it does improve your life. If it didn't improve my life, you know, it just wouldn't be worth it. I mean, there are things that happen in your thinking. Uh, the way you see the world, they have a whole lot more to do with life than putting paint on paper. Putting mm -hmm. paint on paper, just the, the the springboard for all that stuff. So, other than painting your floor when you moved mm -hmm. from Amory to Florence, when do you? What was your first recollection of actually putting paint on a on a piece of paper or well, you on know, a board? Growing up in um, a wood frame Marvin Methodist Church in Florence, Mississippi, I was raised methodically too. You know. There were two camps, Baptists and Methodists, and I was Methodist. Uh, they would hand me the the, the bulletin right. and the pa the pencil, the stubby pencil, and that occupied me. During during the sermon. Yes. And I really think, Mom, sorry, I really think um, she got me lessons probably uh, to kind of babysit me a little bit. I was a handful, I'm sure. Hmm. And uh, the lady who taught me kindergarten to read taught me to paint. Uh, she would read the story and we would paint the story. And then after that was over, before school started, uh, before first grade, she got me lessons, and I, that's how I started. Is it always been watercolors, or was it other types of paint in the earlier days, or do you even remember? I painted in watercolor, but really I fell in love with watercolor my sophomore year, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, first period class. That was when I really, and it was always watercolor after that. I mean, that I... I've done a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but there's always been watercolor after that point. Where'd you go to high school? 
I went to Clinton, uh, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, and uh, I had private lessons in Florence before that. And I moved to Clinton. By then, I figured out that this was not going to get me a lot of dates at that time. Hmm. So um, I didn't want anybody to know I painted. Um, so I, But people still remember me being in Mrs. Allen's class. She was a nice lady, but I was never in that class. <laughs> uh, I was shy about this, but college, you know, is that great opportunity to reinvent yourself. Right. Like the and, wooden shoes you were telling oh, me about. <laughs> I first grass I cut, I bought wooden shoes at Pier 1 Imports. They're supposed to stick dried flowers in them and put them on the wall. I put them on my feet, and I was going to start a trend. And I I did it one day. They held me down and took them off me in Ms. Um, Flora, uh, Flora's class. And, and then um, I wore them a second day. Anyway, I did have wooden shoes, yeah. Blisters? Oh, a house? It goes with that. Yeah. It goes with the territory. And how did the trend shape up? Uh, it did not catch on. Uh, I, I will say a few years later, clogs made their appearance. So I think I may have had some small part in. You may you have know. introduced uh, fashion clogs to fashion. Yeah, they didn't last long, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But you were responsible for that. You know, thinking the way you think in the arts, you, you think differently, and um, and I always enjoyed that. I mean, I, I one one thing about not fitting in, it makes it okay to be different, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing to feel good about yourself and. I, I told my mom that. I said, you know, well, mom, you know, I'm a little different. She said, you are not different. There is nothing wrong with you. <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. I've had years of therapy to figure this out. I'm okay. You're okay. <laughs> you you should have read the book. book. <laughs> should have. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Malcolm White. I'm your host today. I am also privileged to be the executive director of your Mississippi Arts Commission. And a great job you do. Thank you, sir. I'm here with my buddy, Wyatt Waters. Well, welcome back to the second So segment. good to be to the second. Yeah. I made, it, I made it through the first one. <laughs> That's good. Cut the mustard. So in the first segment, we talked a lot about music and the guitar, and of course, you were gracious enough to bring your guitars here and to to play them and perform for us on the air live, which can't be easy. No, it's much easier than dead, though. <laughs> well, I don't want any dead space I didn't here. Think about that. <laughs> no dead air. And... <laughs> but uh, but what most people know you for you're you're known for a lot of things. You uh, you do play music. You've made records, right? Yeah. Love music. Everybody loves music. You play in bands. You've had your own bands. Uh, You've collaborated with other musicians. And and, I love musicians. Yeah, but you're known uh, as a visual artist. You're known Mm -hmm. as a watercolorist, and uh, you have your own gallery in downtown Clinton, Mississippi. Tell us a little bit about that scene. Well, about 21 years ago, I decided to start a gallery. It's not something I really aspired to do. I just thought. You know, I really wanted just to show my work, and I wanted to uh, show where I live. Now, I live in Clinton. So um, I got a building down there at a really good time. Um, they There was not a whole lot of emphasis in the downtown area, and I got involved in, um, you might say, community development, although I was just wanting people to move down there and be neighbors. Um, I fell in love I went to places like uh, Oxford, 
and I saw what was happening in the square or down in Ocean Springs, what was happening in their downtown area. And I, I understood, as you know, the importance of arts in um, developing areas like that. Sure. So the creative economy and you, the, arts-based development. I loved that creative economy introduction speech y'all gave. I, that was just inspiring. Um, and it is. I mean, it's, it's not just a sell. It really is true. Artists get in there and they work for nothing. They bring ideas to it. It's the best part, I think. They bring some different thinking to it. And, and they're just persistent enough to, you know, keep going after the troughs that happen in any mm-hmm. upward climb. Right. They, they're going to go anyway. And, um, and I love that part of what the arts is. It helped me get involved in community um, in ways that I wouldn't have ever done just sitting with my easel painting with my headphones on somewhere. So Clinton today is is a very different Clinton. When I lived there briefly uh, back in the early 1970s, when my father, you know, you and Mm -hmm. I talk a lot about our fathers, and there's a reason for that. They were were our mentors, and they were our heroes. You know, good people. They were good people. But my father, uh, who was then president at the Northeast Mississippi Community College, was offered a job working for Governor Bill Waller when he was elected governor. And so my father and my stepmom and my little brother Brad moved from Boonville to Clinton, Mississippi on Hunt Cliff Way. <laughs> and and my father went to work for the Bill Waller, Governor Bill Waller administration. Had an office in the Standard Life building. No, it was in the, uh, I think it was in the Wolf Oak where my office is okay. today. But he worked for two or three years uh, for Waller and we lived in Clinton. Now I had already mm-hmm. moved away, but my little brother Brad went to Clinton High School and, and the whole point of this story about me is to talk about what Clinton looked like back in 1972 versus what it looks like today. And it's a very different community. It is. This concept of town and gown where the town meets the university I is so happened there. And you, yes. Mr. Wyatt Waters, were well, almost single-handedly uh, responsible for that when you put your gallery downtown. It, it, was, it was a lonely place at the time. But, you know, I was used to being alone, too. But, and, and like I said, I could buy the real estate cheap. And I'd seen what had happened in Oxford with Uncle Bucks and stuff right. like that. that if Uncle you didn't Bucks own, Record Shop. What a great thing. That I met Carrie great. Hudson there. Oh, great place. Oh, And, and Hoka. Oh, Lord. Let's speak for a moment of our dearly departed friend, Ron Shapiro, Ronzo, who we uh, lost recently, and the impact that he made on Oxford's transformation yeah. from a sort of country county seat to a creative economy. When you think about the Hoka, the creation of the Center for the Study of Southern Culture, mm-hmm. Willie Morris's and Barry Hanna's arrival there, yep. speaking of Clinton. Um, uh, the Yachtmatothal Press, the opening of Square Books, and that synergy around that handful of people and enterprises, in my vi- humble opinion, totally transformed Oxford into the hipsterville, the creative economy that it is today. It's it was it was unlike when I went up there for the first time. It was unlike anything I knew, and I I knew Oxford from the Hoka. That was really even though it's off the square. It represented what all these things are that are going on right now. You know, there was, the warehouse was there then, too. Yeah, the warehouse, the gin, the, gin. the hoka. Had my first, second, third, and fourth drink, uh, the gin. <laughs> uh, so it's, you know, it, it. but that whole town and gown thing made its way to Clinton. 
and um, and I in the college, which used to eat us up, I don't think it was malicious, but it's just they didn't think about it too much, right. began understanding the importance of those areas for the community and development. And um, and now we're buddies, and it's a really good thing. You want to be buddies with your neighbors. And talk a little bit about all the different uh, enterprises that are up and running in downtown Clinton now besides mm-hmm. your gallery. I know you've got several coffee shops, restaurants, yep. all sorts of fun things going on. Well, there's 303. Uh, restaurant, which is just right next door. Um, there's a um, um, there's a shop for monogramming that's there. There's an antique shop. There is a children's clothing store. Mm-hmm. There's a men's clothing store. There is a, a bar. Now, when I say a bar, it's kind of a you know a workout place. You know, uh-huh. there, it, there is, however, a bar there too. <laughs> And um, uh, there's a new development. The Lions Park that used to be um, um, there was sold, and the college sold it uh, to a developer. And there's going to be shopping below, living above. Sort of a mixed-use development? Yes. Mm -hmm. Very excited about that. And the Lions Park that was is moving across the street from the house that I have there. And we're building, uh, rebuilding my house with a kind of a two-story addition to the side, so we can sit on our balcony and listen to concerts. That's how about that? Now that's in something. Clinton. Yes. Well, you know, I saw Bob Seger in Clinton. Are you kidding? In, these, I didn't in know these years that we lived there, I, I just happened to see a poster. He, he was said. out touring, smoking OP's LP, and he oh. he did a concert on campus at MC. I saw Ted Nugent there. It was still the loudest concert I've ever been to. And <laughs> your in high ears school. are still ringing. Oh, pure Prairie! I, I saw a bunch of folks there. You know? Well, any university is going to have this type of uh, of entertainment and yeah. activities for students. So you, you know, never be surprised what what a university produces. It's a very important neighbor to have, and to be on good terms with them, for us to have. This benefit of uh, working together—it's—it's it's a great thing. And I, I'll tell you what you do with the creative economy. I think that has those kind of ripple effects. Things like that happen more when, when people get behind and they really recognize the importance of creative development. Right. And also in Clinton, you you have the Brick Street Festival, correct? Mm-hmm. And that's been going on for a long time. Several years. It's uh, very successful down there, and uh, uh, we. Close off the downtown, and we have a a small festival. It's it's not a, it's it's not a big thing, but it's a very significant thing. And we have outdoor markets. We have uh, outdoor movies. I started the outdoor movies years ago. Um, I would drive my motorhome, twenty three foot Tioga, down there and put a tarp on it and show movies on the side. Oh, right. And I and under the Posters that would say, after 15 minutes, you'll forget you're watching a motorhome. <laughs> anyway, there are fun things like that going on down there. And and you have a public art project there mm-hmm. that, that are, are these bicycles. And I can only imagine that that somehow is related to you. Well, uh, you know, uh, I noticed the places I would go. I would go to Oxford. I'd go to Ocean Springs. I'd go to uh, Fairhope. And I'd see bicycles. And I went to the uh, MDOT. And I said, the bicycle part. And I said, which comes first, the thinking or the bikes? And they said, well, we don't know, but they do go together. And so I bought a couple of bikes and put them in front of the gallery. and um, Just old bicycles. Yep, yeah. just, just mm-hmm. a great Atlas. Cruisers. Cruisers, big right. fat tires. With and baskets on the front. Just to let you know that we're here. And then later on, they began to brand uh, Clinton with bicycles, which is great because – 
I mean, for one thing, just down the Natchez Trace is, um, you know, Richland's a very cycling-friendly place. And You've got that great trail, yeah, hiking, biking, cycling trail that connects to the Natchez Trace and to bikes the reservoir, I think. Yes, yeah. bikes are good. So now y'all have bikes all over town, right, mm-hmm. in, in Clinton. It's we sort, do. It's sort of a, a brand, if you would. I was decorating one of those bikes, and a little boy came up on the sidewalk. And he said, what are you doing, mister? And I said, oh, I'm I'm painting a bike like a like a monkey ride, might ride in a circus. He said, wow, you got a monkey? <laughs> and I didn't have a monkey, but, uh, you know, I want it, – it makes fun stuff happen. Right. You don't have bicycles. So what else uh, in terms of Clinton? Any other activities beyond the – the new shops and, and your gal. You've been there how many years? Oh, golly. I've been there 21 years in the um, as a business there. Mm-hmm. But I moved there when I was 15, and I'm 64 years old, <laughs> 64 years old. And you moved there to live when you were 15? Oh, uh, yes. My father moved us there. I remember he moved us there because they just started the Clinton Separate School District, uh-huh. which was an interesting concept. It featured in the Atlantic a couple of years ago, a year or two ago. The Atlantic Magazine? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was uh, interesting the way they structured the schools, and he moved us there because it was a good school system. He well, they believed often in public education. are credited with one of the better school systems in the state. Again, my mm-hmm. youngest brother Brad went to school at Clinton uh, Junior High, and he really got a, uh, had a great experience there. I did too. It was a, uh, it, it, you know, um, uh, I moved from a really small town to a much larger town, and I probably had a hard time adjusting. But I wound up staying there, and um, it's it's grown on me. You know, I hope I've grown on them a little bit. So let's um, talk just a minute before the break about your uh, partnership with Robert St. John. Oh, Robert. Good Lord. Yes, good Lord, Robert. Uh, Robert and I, uh, when I first started the gallery, when I first started the gallery, uh, okay, I started the gallery about a month later, my dad had a stroke, and about a month after that, Robert showed up. And if those things had ever happened in a different order, I might not be sitting here and mm-hmm. I might not, I might say, Robert who? Right. You know? <laughs> but it did happen in that order. And uh, we began working on this idea for a book. You remember the Twilight Zone when the yes. guy's getting on a, 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 a spacecraft and these aliens are taking him somewhere yeah, and yeah, they're translating this book? And they said, don't get on the book. They couldn't translate it. It's called To Serve Man. And... Uh, don't get on the book. Don't get on the, uh, the rocket to serve man. It's a cookbook. Well, Robert showed up with this idea to use food, stories, and paintings to describe Southern culture. And somewhere in working on that, I said, this is a cookbook. <laughs> it's a cookbook. And, um, and we've done four books, working on five and six now. You've also done tours. Y- yeah. Y'all do a, a, a partnership demonstration. Uh, you have a TV show. I know. And and you go Decoder to... Decoder rings. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all kinds of things. You go to Italy every year. We do. You, you take people around Mississippi, and we'll we'll dig into some of that in the final segment. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour. Malcolm White here on this Sunday afternoon with my good buddy Wyatt Waters. Good to be back for the final part. Welcome back. And before we took a break, we were 
just beginning to scratch the surface of the very deep well of the partnership between you yes. and Robert St. John. And, and you had sort of described how he came a calling one day with an idea for a book, and you all published that book. And yeah. Four have have followed, four books, right? Yes. And then let's talk about these TV shows, these tours that y'all Lord, do. We are, that's an amazing thing. I don't know. We, we, people wanted, we went to Italy and um, I stayed about 70 days there, did about 128 paintings, put together a book, and we had a good time doing that book. And that book was called? Uh, Italian Palette. The Italian, Italian Palette. Palette. Okay. Yes, it was. Uh, An Italian Palette. It was, uh, it was a great opportunity. It was actually my personal best at uh, paintings. I'd never painted unbroken for 70 days. They make you go to Western Civ in college. Mm. You can't just paint all day, you know. Right. But I did when I was there, and uh, I, I don't think I could have lasted 10 more days because it was just you can have too much fun, you know. Yeah, right. right. But uh, we did, We got into uh, – people would ask us if – Now, you went we over there yeah. for the book, mm-hmm. and then people started asking you about Italy. So you all said, well, let's just see if we can – we'll take some people with us next time we go. Yeah. And from there – You've been doing these tours how long? I think we've taken close to 400 people Yes, to Italy Yeah, to experience it with you and Robert. Yes, and we experienced it kind of like Americans, and we have tour guides that we have mm-hmm. there because we're not really the tour guides. But it, it, is, it is a great thing to be able to introduce people from this country to that country. They have, they're an old country, and they've been doing this a long time, and they've got a few things figured out. And some things we could, you know, benefit from. And it's a good thing to meet people. One of the things I like is people are people all over. I mean, we stay in Tuscany a lot of the time, and and they're just farmers. I mean, they're growing grapes and olives, but not soybeans, but they're they're just farmers. Right. They're very practical people. Correct. So why Italy? Why didn't you all go to France? Why didn't you go to Spain? Why not Robert Greece? Was, Robert was doing this, this, uh, um, this tour of... Uh, Europe with his family, and we went over to David Trigiani's, and David was, uh, he was, Robert was also open an uh, Italian restaurant at the time. Right, Tabella in Hattiesburg, So David Midtown. was fixing the dish pasta Trigiani, which is in our cookbook, and he'll scratch out the cheese every time he sees the book. It's not supposed to be in there. I know, but I like it. <laughs> and and, and Dave, David, uh, we were talking over there at David's, and Robert just said, you know, why don't we go to Italy and do a book on Italy? Because he knew that my favorite painter, John Singer Sargent, produced his best watercolors in Italy. And so— And now you say you produced yeah. some of your best watercolors in Italy. It's, Is that I, right? Yes, yes. I mean, it was really the most I've been able to dig into painting nonstop. It really has was. And it, was, it came at a time that you know, I probably needed that kind of uh, refreshment in life. And Robert and I got to hang out and talk about— um, the idea of this book at night while we were eating, and then we'd go do the next day, then eat some more at night and talk about, okay, where do we go from here? It was made up organically. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it was, Italy is a wonderful place. It's not an overblown place. Right. Now, what about the Mississippi, the magical Mississippi tour? How did that come to be? You also well, tour your own home state. Now, that part actually happened in Italy. We were uh, at the Antonori Winery. Um, and I was painting uh, the wine, the, uh, um, as I said, the baby wine plants. <laughs> I was painting, uh, you know, the grapes. And um, Robert comes up the hill, and we've been riding on a bus mm-hmm. 
from one place to You were on one of your Norton. tours. You yes. had a bunch of Americans with you. And and Robert came up and he said, I got this idea. I said, why don't we get a bus? And I said, magical mystery tour. <laughs> and he said, exactly. <laughs> it was just one of those things, you know, that uh, he, he introduced the idea and I knew exactly because I was thinking the same thing too. Right. We're big Beatle fans, so mm-hmm. it's a natural thing to relate everything to the Beatles. Everything does, of course, relate to the Beatles. <laughs> um, that's how that began. So how many of those have you done? Mm. I think we've done three of those. I, I think, think I've been on three. two. I may have yeah. been on all of them. Yeah. It's, uh, well, you, maybe it was two. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We have a third coming up, I think. Do you? But uh, that's maybe what I'm thinking about. But it's it's we take people around Mississippi uh, to places we painted. When we did this Mississippi book, you know, we would just uh, wander around and um, look for Look for well. What invariably happens is we'll be driving, and I'll say, "Okay, I, I want to paint that." Like we were doing uh, something um, above um, Eden, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. There was a, um, a kind of a gin where, up there where Son Thomas grew up. Yeah, in Eden, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got some relatives there too. So you know, it's it's. Wow. I thought Adam and Eve lived there. <laughs> really did when I was well. a kid. But it's Son Thomas, and um, um, and. We go up the road a little bit more, and we visit uh, Martha Foose, and I'm showing her the painting, and she said, my mom was pregnant with me when she was working there. <laughs> That's the kind of thing that happens right. in Mississippi, all those wonderful connections of fabric. So it seems like there was this, there's this unintended uh, theme where you and Robert come up with an idea for a book, you go to a place and do the book, and then a tour follows. <laughs> That's that. That is, believe me, is a very unintended. Th- you know, it's just. Uh, I do believe in the happy accidents. Right. You know, actually, I married. Uh, this is not an accident. I married uh, a gal who was in their wedding. Was in Robert. Yes. In Jill's wedding. She had she had gotten married and started a family and gotten divorced like I got divorced and uh, and we met years later um, and. Um, and uh, Robert was my best man there. So, but we sh- anyway we share. Robert and I share a lot of things. Oh yeah, yeah. and it's not always work. And sometimes <laughs> I don't know it's work. Uh-huh. So, so uh, let's talk a little bit about what you do artistically. This this watercoloring, uh, you do it plain air. You mm-hmm. do it on site. Now, have is have you always done it outside like this? And 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 have you never really worked in the studio? I've done studio work. Uh, but I tell you the thing that always has floated my boat, and I was always I was taught uh, to work from life. I was always taught to work from life by uh, the lady who taught me in Florence, who said she only knew the basics, and Dr. Gore, who got a hold of me when I was a sophomore and made me work, and that means study life. And I, Dr. Gore from from Mississippi. Sam College. Gore, he's passed away, but right. uh, Recent, he yeah. left his mark on me. You know, um, he really did. And um, but the whole idea. Uh, plain air. I, I didn't learn that word until I was in college. Yeah, I said I, plain air. I was trying yeah, that's to right. southernize it, but it's well, plain yeah. air. Everything sounds better in French and Italian, you know. <laughs> we means painting outside. <laughs> painting outside. And I, I call it, I was always told working from life. And I really like that term because in the time that we live, the digital time, you know, this phone right here, yeah. you know, is a, it's a great connector, but it's also a great separator. And to me, its real value is it connect me to people and I can have this experience one-on-one. Right. And that's why painting uh, on location is such a big deal to me because things invariably happen that um, inform my painting. And they inform me. Uh, you know, sometimes a bird 
comments on your painting. Right. It happened one time, and someone bought it, and I said, well, I don't know if it's archival, but it's organic. <laughs> and, um, you know, that happens. Uh, people, uh, uh, Jeff Good always circle back around and bring me a bottle of water. I think he must have he a cooler out on the back. he sees you out on the side of the street. Yes. Yes, stuff like that. And uh, or, I've, I've stumbled into you oh, yeah. painting outside. I was painting trash cans one That's time. That's right. I just was yeah. out for a walk, and there you were. And that is what I really like. It connects me to the world. It connects me to the world. Art is a bit inside your head. It's one part expression. It's one part communication. The expression is the language that you have to yourself and to communicate to that other to other people is that communication part. I think it's you have to have both of those things. You have to feed yourself, but you have to do if you're going to give something to somebody, you have to give it to yourself first. Mm-hmm. It has to be real to you. And what are some of the early breaks or early memories you have that sort of what you think launched you? Besides the Robert yeah. saying, let's do a book, that sounds like a real uh, significant moment. That was. Um, I hurt my hand. Uh, this is this is one of those things that was bad. I, I fell on a nail. I fell on a nail, and the blunt head of a nail went through my hand, and it came out right there. Mm. And I went to St. Dominic's a little over a week, and Chris Etheridge talked to me a couple times about cutting it off. You know, really? it was not responding to medication, uh, and uh, they flip-flopping uh, antibiotics with me. And um, But what they wound up doing is opening it up and letting it heal from the inside like they would have done in the Civil War. And it worked, and I have full manual dexterity, but I had this time on my hands. For the first time, I couldn't paint. So I put together my college roommate, Stu McIntyre. His father was Sunday editor of the paper, and he always told me I needed to do a book on Jackson, but I wasn't ever going to do that. So I couldn't paint for three months, and I got with James Patterson, and he put helped put the book together with editing and um, uh, photography. Right. And John Langston designed the book, and we sold it to Quail Ridge Press, and that's how I got into books. That was a very important moment for me because— and that book is called— a, Another Coat another of Paint. Can't, another Coat of Paint, yes. And, you know, we heard that if you brought some wine and you pay for the meal at the Mayflower, you get Willie to give an audience. Yeah. And Willie showed up, and he said, well, tell me about yourself. And I started talking about my artistic influences. And I told him, he said, no, no, I want to hear about your family. And I said, well, my dad is from Yazoo County. And he said, baseball playing waters? Because he was a grade school kid yes. when they were playing high school. And he did the uh, foreword to that book and gave, gave the rough to my dad to read. And my dad only said, you may want to get him to say something about your mother's side of the family. <laughs> Which was a sweet thing, but I didn't do it. But, so he, was, he remembered your father. Yes, father who, and my my uncles who all played both baseball players. One of them played with Mickey Mantle with the Yankees. One of them played uh, with the Pirates and was a trainer and scout for the Twins. They were all ball players. Wow, not me. That was uh, quite a a lick. Now I would imagine James Patterson had something to oh, do with putting that yeah. together. James, another uh, magical man. We in our I miss lives. James. Everybody misses James in the art community and just as a friend and. Golly, I don't know, James. We, I have many, many James stories, and he passed away and received the Governor's Arts Award, rightfully so. I think that was very deserved. He was an artistic photographer. He was a great commercial photographer. He was a shoot-on-the-fly 
kind of photographer and um and he he connected people he That's he, the big he thing. always had concerts in his studio when he wasn't when he didn't have an exhibit up he would have musicians come and very play intimate and it couldn't have been any more he intimate would put people unless... together it was a remarkable life he yes lived. it was and, just and I've known right. I, you know I certainly miss him every day as well so you're going to be the keynote speaker at the statewide arts conference next Thursday October 24th at the Mississippi State Capitol. Have you ever played music or spoken at the Capitol before? No, I have not. This You've is a painted first for in me. The I have painted the Capitol. I've, I've tried to be there for Arts Day every year. If you, I'm you not, come every year. If and I'm you in paint. the country, I'm there. You know. So you'll be keynoting uh, on uh, next Thursday, twenty fourth, eight o'clock in the morning to four in the afternoon, with the theme of the arts and living well. Your presentation is around nine o'clock, and you're going to. To paint and while you talk, and I think you and Robert refer to this as old number six or old number nine. Or yeah, what, what old it? number seven. Old number seven. Can't get the numbers Sometime, right. Sometimes, and one time we were billed as, it's uh, dual demos, but somebody had billed us as dueling demos, <laughs> like it was some, you know, wrestling event or something. I don't know. <laughs> but it is, yeah, it's, it, it'll, it'll be old number seven. Without old Robert. solo. Old number, old number three and a half. Okay. It'll be. Wyatt Waters, thank you so much for being here today, and we look forward to hearing your remarks next Thursday at the Mississippi State Capitol. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. And that about does it for the Mississippi Arts Hour, a presentation of the Mississippi Arts Commission and MPB Think Radio. Have a great Sunday. We will see you next time at 5 p.m.